Yeah, we're back, and I'm sitting here watching this week's Impact and realizing how much I miss Falaba. Hello, everybody, and yes. welcome to episode 224 of the No Spots Weekly Wrestling Podcast. Yes, this episode should have been out two weeks ago, but things happen, and I'll explain what's mm -hmm. been going on at a later date. But right now, we're back. I am DC's People Share back in my my regular spot at the People Studios in Alexandria, Virginia, after spending a couple of weeks at at my uh childhood home for a week for a couple weeks but i'm back we are here i am also here with my tag team partner the one and the only the dark sith lord himself sith hello yes welcome everyone to the regular basement thanks for all followers chatters lurkers subscribers listeners on our audio platforms and people finding us for the first time a warm welcome to you all i gotta say this off the back for the free sub giveaway we're doing two next week one will be thursday night world tag league on the recap show and then the next one next sunday night on the regular pod which will round out the last of the free subs for this year so be sure to hang out next week to see if you're the lucky winner for one of those two giveaways champ what's good in the people studios and the aba good time Okay, so for those of y'all watching us live on Twitch right now, I want to show y'all why I keep saying that Sith is stuck in the 80s. <laughs> Look at his name. The Match Beyond, which was what the War Games match was called back in the 80s. I just want y'all to see that. Okay? Just yeah. want y'all to see that. I'm a mark. Okay. I'm a mark. I admit it. I'm a mark for yeah. the Match Beyond because when that door closed and you had all the wrestlers in, you had all the weapons all hell broke loose. Hello to Heretic Ninja, to Sage, and to Miss Champ. Hope y'all are doing well. Absolutely. Hello to everybody here. And shout out to me for recent service for 15 months in a row. Yay. We're anyway. not worthy. We're anyway, so we have a pretty good show. We have a pretty nice show for you uh, this week. We are going to be talking in our news and notes about some uh, status updates on uh, one on a, a couple of injury updates and a status update on a former long re reigning champion in their promotion. Plus, uh, Buff Bagwell recently was arrested on suspicion of DUI. He clarified what happened with said arrest. And we'll talk about that in our in our new Japan recap, since we didn't do a recap show for the first couple nights, the opening nights of Block A and A Block and B Block for World Tag League, I will go over all everything that's happened this week for uh, all five nights so far. World Tag League, we'll get into that as well. Then in our third segment, we are going to be recapping last week's. 
full gear event and we will be previewing tonight on saturday night's survivor series event which is only five matches on the card but you can bet that those matches are going to stretch quite a bit because of the a lot of time they're going to have so we're going to talk about that then of course our weekend review will be very very abbreviated only four shows to to recap from this week as monday night raw NXT, uh, AEW Dynamite, and SmackDown with Impact being just a, a recap show of Thanksgiving moments. And then, of course, Rampage is taking place Saturday night following, uh, right prior to Collision. So we ain't going to talk about that, all that. So there you go. And then we will have our final thoughts as well. So hopefully you all are in for a good show. We You're here for the long haul. So without any further ado, referee, you know what to do. Ring the bell. All right, and here we go. Let's start with news and notes, and we give our first injury update, and that happens to be in AEW as a current, as a former uh, tag team partner of of, a, of someone who's been still active, but mostly on Ring of Honor, is looking to be making his return pretty soon, and that is none other than Top Flight's Dante Martin. Uh, as you know, Dante Martin back in March at Super Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor sh- broke his leg, his ankle. Uh, performing a Canadian destroyer off a ladder through a table and ended up landing wrong and breaking his ankle. You can see, if you watch the clip, you can see that it, the ankle was completely broken. It was not, it was not a good sight. Uh, he's been down ever since then. His partner, his taxi partner and his brother Darius has been doing some singles matches uh, as well as teaming with action Andretti on mostly on ring of honor T on, on, on honor club. Uh, but it looks like he is uh, getting ready. He's getting ready to make a return. Uh, it was said back in July that uh, uh, in an update from Ian Riccoboni of Ring of Honor that he was ahead of schedule in terms of his return. And he was most recently at uh, backstage at an AEW show. Uh, so it looks like he could be returning pretty soon, though there are no creative plans in place for Martin. Though it looked like you know he'll re- get, rejoin his brother in the tag team ranks so uh Sith, this is a huge deal uh for the tag team division to bring back top flight it's been it's been, it's been a stroke of bad luck for these two brothers because when one's like when they start to get going next to you know one of them gets injured and then the other has to go on a singles run that was the case with dot with darius he got injured twice since they re- were signed with AEW back during the pandemic in 2020. Uh, with Der- with Dante went on a singles run and things like that. Now Dante having to be out, so this should be this is this is big. This is huge. This is huge. Uh, for those who don't, this is one of the most snake bit tag teams ever, because just as Top Flight, and I love watching Darius and his brother Dante. They are awesome in the ring. If you haven't seen Top Flight, you need to watch some really good tag team. But the problem, as Champ said, they're snake bitten. They get on a bit of a roll, then one of them gets injured, the other goes on to single stuff, and then comes back. So hopefully, God willing, the injury bug stays away. So that way Top Flight can really get up there. This is huge for the tag team division. Champ. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, just last year, 2022, they had won that trios uh, event that got them a, a shot at the trios titles and got the money as well. Uh, they done it along with AR Fox, but then weren't able to wrest the, uh, the trios championships from uh, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And in early March, they were part of that four-way for the vacant Ring of Honor's World Tag Team Championships that were vacated by the Briscoes after the tragic death of Jay. Uh, and then he get, Dante gets hurt, and now Darius is on a, on this this trip, you know, on his singles run. But now it looks like hopefully they can get back on here and get back on the road, and hopefully no other injuries happen uh, to either Martin brothers uh, brothers because of the fact that you know I think that they're a really good tag team, and I think they deserve a a good tag team run. And, th and things like that, but it might be it might be a situation where they may not be able to fit into the mold, given the fact that they've been you know gone for so long. They might end up on Ring of Honor. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, so that's an update for uh for from from Dante, when it comes to Dante Martin, and here we go. Let's continue on and talk about man, the man who was the longest reigning MLW heavyweight champion uh, when it came to MLW, none other than Alex, Alexander Hammerstone. As you know, Hammerstone had requested his release back in October, uh, wanting to be released, saying it was an issue when it came to uh, commitments and things of that nature, but his uh, request would be denied. But it looks like he has returned to the fold, and he has returned to the fold to be a part of the outsider group known as World Titan Federation, WTF, which is a heel group that are posing as an as a rival organization to MLW, which is led by the actual behind-the-scenes booker for MLW, uh, Mr. St. Laurent. Uh, as it was reported that uh, that he was that it was that. Uh, he was going to be uh, at the time that he was had asked for his release that there was the idea that Hammerstone would turn heel. Uh, but there was an impasse between the two and nothing could be settled from that. But then Fightful Select came back and said that the situation has never been, nor is it currently part of any storyline and that both parties have negotiated him joining the, the group uh, in exchange for him to be able to depart in 2024, a year ahead of when his contract expires. Uh, and they said that the deal was put together just before he took part in the Fightland event. And uh, he was kept under wraps until the uh, until he made his appearance, not even being in the venue during the event and only entered once the main event started. They even had him listed as a WTF outsider on run sheets so it looks like um hammerstone will be uh granted his release in 2024 after he, his this program with wcf runs through uh sith what are your thoughts on this well he's joining a stable that sounds a lot like the nwo honor no more you know a heel stable working against what the company wants i'm glad that he's staying to finish out his contract that is the smart and professional way to do it note to him next time you get in your feels about your contract don't take it out in public handle that shit in private man because there's some stuff out that the media that the fans in the media they just don't need to know my guy jam 
Yeah, so uh, Hammerstone has been with MLW since 2019. So when 2024 comes about, that'll mark uh, the end of his five-year run, uh, five-year run with the company, and he dominated the main event seed as he reigned as MLW World Heavyweight Champion for an astonishing 644 days. So uh, he's going to be finishing up with them in 2024. He's going to join a very lo- looking to be loaded group loaded group of wrestlers that are going to be free agents in 2024. One of those we know won't be a part of that will be Will Ospreay, who, yeah. as, as was announced on Full Gear, has signed a contract with AEW. Uh, and he will be all elite. He will finish up his uh, his dates with New Japan, and then be fully all elite by February. So there you go. All right, yep. back to injury update news, and this time we're talking about someone from the WWE who, on their own Twitch channel during a stream, gave their gave an update on their injury and what's going on with them, and that's none other than Dakota Kai. Do 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 Dakota Kai. Do 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 do. Dakota Kai. Yeah. That's right. Dakota Kai, who's been out of action since suffering a torn ACL back on May the 17th on SmackDown during the Women's Tag Team Championship match. That also saw Liv Morgan, who was the champion at the t- one half of the champs at the time, get injured in that same match. Uh, she's like she took to her, she was on her Twitch stream just hanging out, chilling, and gave an update on her injury status after a commenter spoke about her recent television appearances with the other members of Damage Control, where it showed her, you know getting somewhat involved in the brawl where she jumped out of the ring and they que- they had a question about that. Well, Kai responded to that and things of that nature she said that you know the 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 twitch user was playing detective uh thinking that she was faking her injury because she was jumping in the ring she would say quote bro you want me to be in a wheelchair until i'm clear that's not how rehab works i'm able to run and jump this isn't a shocker i'm like why would i do that why would i choose to sit on the sidelines like no one wants that no one wishes that on anyone but i'm able to like i can run i can jump uh, and she went on to say also on her Twitch stream that she wished she was only faking this uh, ACL injury for a storyline, but she sadly is not and can do everything, but is still not medically cleared by WWE to compete. Uh, she still has a f- couple more months to go, as she would uh, say. Uh, she said she said a little bump in the ring isn't the same as you know doing a 20-minute match, and she uh, expressed her displeasure on beings having to be on the sidelines not be in the ring quote it's not like my leg is amputated but rehab is just one of those things where in all sports no one is getting back in to play like before six seven months certain places have things that they are have to abide by like certain medical teams for us it's like usually it's like eight to nine slash 12 months depending so she still may not return to uh she may not return until early next year maybe like February or you know something like that but Sith what are your thoughts on this injury update for Dakota Kai no to the IWC who likes to play WebMD cut it out you're not doctors you're not the talent who's getting the advice from doctors in most injuries believe it or not 
aren't a fucking work. It is sad that Dakota Kai got that question to begin with, that questioned the legitimacy of her injury, much less having to explain it to people. If you're unsure, you don't put people on blast about it, you do the right thing, you quietly inquire to someone who's had that injury before or to a medical professional and don't put a wrestler on blast on Twitch because Dakota yeah. Kai didn't have to answer yeah. this. I'm, this is nauseating, champ. You take the floor. Um, I, I mean, again, this is the thing about Twitch. I mean, eventually, if we get big enough, we'll probably have people in our chats uh, asking annoying ass questions and True. you know things like that. But we're not, we're nowhere, we're nowhere near that yet. So I mean, we're, for now, we don't have to worry about that. But anyway, but I mean, I get it. You know, it's hard. It, you know, in this back in the day, it was e it was hard to differentiate if something was real or something was storyline or kayfabe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, even, even outside of wrestling, people kept kayfabe and stuff like that. But nowadays people are, you know, people are more showing their real life selves outside of wrestling, especially with having, mm -hmm. excuse me, having Twitch streams and being on being and being streamers and stuff like that. Look at Zelina Vega. Uh, AJ Styles was doing it for, for a, for a time. A lot of guys and gals, you know, are showing their real selves. They're not staying in character on a Twitch stream. They're, they're real selves. I mean, hell, I remember uh, Hector told me that Courtney Rush um, actually admonished him for calling her by her wrestling name in a Twitch stream and not her real name because she wasn't, she wasn't her wrestling persona. She was Courtney Rush. And so that's basically what we're seeing here now. So for this commenter to, to question that her injury was not legit, it was part of a storyline. It's kind of a wild thing to do, especially given the fact that, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's out there with them, but if she's clear to at least run and jump, then yeah, as long as she yeah. avoids physicality, I think she could be around and she's been, she's been around and you know, it's worked. It's been working. So why why should she just sit at home and only leave her house to go and rehab her injury and then go back home? Like why not be on the road still rehabbing, but also being there with your team and still being a part of what's going on? I mean, a lot of people don't get that luxury. So for her to be able to get that luxury, I think it's great. But as mm -hmm. Seth said, don't play doctor online because you're not a doctor. You're not. You know. So stop it. Stop it. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, last story of the day here, and it's about Buff Bagwell, who found himself in trouble with the law uh, to the point that he had to go on social media over the week, uh, last weekend, this week, this past week, well, this weekend, to address that he had been arrested on a suspicion of DUI. He was driving under the influence of drugs. Uh, Bagwell did confirm that he spent 24 hours in jail back on November the 16th, so last Saturday. Uh, well, last uh, Thursday, I should say, he spent 24 hours in jail. Uh, the reports claimed that he was under the influence of drugs and was driving. Uh, but the 53-year-old former WCW performer uh, said that he was still sober. He was he did not relapse. Uh, and he explained that anytime there's a violation in the DUI court program, it'll then show his uh, original DUI offenses. And that's what ends up getting put out there in the universe. Um, 
He made an appearance on Busted Open Radio this week and was asked about the uh, arrest. And he said, quote, early on, I had an argument with one of the counselors. I ran over a curb at the local te- uh, local little Texaco, but it needed to be towed. And I have a bad knee and I hadn't had my knee replaced for surgery yet. It was like a block away. So we had to hurry not to be late. And then I asked the counselor, hey, man, can I give Reese the guy with the better wheel, better leg? Can I get him to run my keys down to the tow truck place? He said, no problem. Long story short, there was a conversation that went on about it, and I went to jail for arguing or disrupting class for 24 hours. I couldn't believe it. Uh, he would go on. He would. Add, he said he added that about a month later, uh, he was like going through and sorting out all his whatever flights he had for two shows that he were going. He was going to be attending, and then he planned to travel from Atlanta to Des Moines, Iowa, and then from Des Moines, Iowa to Dallas, Texas, then Dallas to San Antonio, and then San Antonio back to uh atlanta but he noted that quote there wasn't a place for middle flight uh, or middle flight on the dui courts program uh paperwork so he explained that he got questioned when he returned home about how he got to san antonio from des moines and he told him that he flew but then they they went why didn't you why didn't you list it and he said quote there wasn't any room to list it and they go well we need to know and i go okay from now on i'll let you guys no, I didn't know that there was no room on the paperwork. 24 hours in jail for not doing the right paperwork. Now I've got heat with them. I'm on the radar. So uh, he went to court on November the 6th, uh, and then he ended up in jail. Uh, he said that uh, the hearing was set for 1.30 on that particular date, and that he wasn't sure he was going into jail that day, but he ended up spending a night in jail because of the wrong paperwork. So seems like seems like Bub Bagwell, just if it wasn't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all, huh, Seth? Yeah, and something that Bully mentioned on his during the appearance on Busted Open when Buff was there, and Tommy also said it. So did Dave Lagreca. If Buff had relapsed, I think it was Tommy that said it. If Buff had indeed relapsed badly, he would have been thrown out of DDP's house and probably gotten a real life cutter because of the fact that DDP takes a lot of pride in helping out his fellow wrestlers get better. So what happened to describe this because I saw the video clip and I listened to it live is Bully was just like, look, man, don't work us. Tell us exactly what happened. Honest to God type attitude. And he and Buff knew that Dave may not go after him, but Bully and Tommy would probably join DDP if it turned out to be the fact that he's, you know, turned out that Buff's working everybody. They'd go after him too. So I hope and pray this is just a bad luck circumstance. And that hopefully they'll put a place down where if, let's say, Buff's got to go from Atlanta to Chicago to Des Moines to Dallas to San Antonio back to Atlanta. Hopefully they can leave room for him down on the bottom to explain his entire itinerary flight-wise. That way this doesn't happen again. Because I think yeah, that, you know, mm-hmm. 
it seems excessive. Yeah. There's not room on the paper to list the entire thing to throw somebody in jail for 24 hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to say, I was getting ready to say, like, it's crazy that because part of his uh, travel itinerary wasn't mentioned on there, not on any fault of his own, honestly, he still ends up sitting in a jail cell for two, for 24 day. And, and then all of a sudden his previous DUI arrested then brought back up. And now people are reporting that, well, he was arrested for uh, driving under the influence. He's relapsed. And it's like, that's not fair to the guy. I mean, unfortunately uh, that, but uh, unfortunately that is, that is the, 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 the situation that, that, that he sits in now after all the DUI arrests that he had, but well, hopefully, fortunately, hopefully this doesn't happen again. And, you know, he's able to continue on his road to recovery and, so, and sobriety and things of that nature. And hopefully he gets that knee uh, replacement so that way he can have better uh, quality of life. Cause I'm pretty sure that that's really a, a, a thing that's a, a pretty bothersome and stuff like that. So hopefully he gets that taken care of uh, before we move on to new Japan and talk about what's been going on with new Japan with world tag league. Uh, just want to say what's hello in our Twitch chat. Once again, the heretic ninja who uh, commented about uh, Dante Martin's ankle injury said he damn near Chris Wedman, his ankle from the clip. I saw, like I said, I saw the clip and it was nasty. I was like, yeah. and nothing really gets me that squeamish and it didn't get me screaming, but I did. I did have to double take it. Like, Oh shit. Um, and he also said that if they can stay healthy, Top Flight have huge potential. They really do. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, a lot of people don't realize, like, Top Flight, they had a very celebrated run on the indies as young kids. Like, Dante wasn't even old enough to drink yet when they signed their AEW contracts. And now, look yeah. at him. He out here. They out here. But hopefully, they'll be able to do something once they get back together, once Dante's back fully healthy. Uh, and he also commented that Honor No More stuff was great. I think a lot of people... There was a, a large majority that weren't fans of Honor No More. I was in the minority. I actually liked Honor No More than the storyline that they had and stuff. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool. Rehab and Home is depressing, says Sage. So And also we have Alex. Uh, unfortunately, Alex, I don't know who Absolute Andy is. If I knew who that person was, I would do a 10-bell salute. But I don't know who that is. No disrespect to them. But we tend to want to do 10-bell salutes to people who, especially wrestlers who we know we follow. And I've never heard of Absolute Andy. But rest in peace to Absolute Andy, though, honestly. Mm -hmm. And our thoughts are with his family and friends as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's let's shift gears here and talk about New Japan. And uh, New Japan in Japan is in the midst of its annual heavyweight tag team tournament known as World Tag League. This, the 2023 edition, has expanded this year. To 16 teams and two blocks of in two blocks, two blocks of eight. And it started off with a bang, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you. It started off with the opening night of, of the tournament in A block. Uh, we we're gonna go into that real quickly. As you know, we didn't do a, a pre a review show for the review show this week because of uh things. So there you go. Uh we saw the debut of Shoma Kato uh in the uh the pre-show match. Uh, he would lose to Oscar Loibe in 4 minutes, 37 seconds. Then we will see Atlantis Jr. and Sobrano Jr. Uh, making their, uh, bringing themselves as a tag team to Japan for the first time. They've been in Japan before as part of Fantastica Mania, but never as a tag team. But now they are, and they were able to defeat Taka Michinoku and Doki. Uh, Alex Zane and Lance Arsenal, Monster Stars teaming with Suzuki and Nagata, two, two guys that they're going to be 
uh, and they're in the same block of B block. They took on Bullet Club's uh, Taiji Shimori, Gato, along with the Rogue Armies, Jack Bonza, and Bad Luck Fale. Nagata tapped out Gato with the Nagata Lock 2. Yuya Yomura teamed with the other members of Just Five Guys, Taichi, his taxi partner in World Tag League, and the world champion Sonata to take on and take out uh, Bushi, Yoda Suji, and Zan, uh, Khan Jr., who was the partner of Yoda Suji, who, he was, who was revealed as such uh, on the New Japan Road house show that t- took place the night before the start of World Tag League. Uh, Yo, along with Bishamon, they were taken out by uh, El Phantasmo, Hikaleo, the strong openweight tag champions, and Jado. It was a CR2 to Yo that was the difference. Then the World Tag League would begin with TMDK getting the first two points of the tournament, defeating the Gates of Agony, Toa Leona, and Bishop Khan with the Tank Buster. Uh, House of Torture will also get their first two points of the, of the tournament, defeating Toriano and Tomohiro Ishii. It was everything is evil for uh, by evil on Yano. In our semifinal, Gabe Kidd and Alice Coggin of the War Dogs would be defeated by Kaito Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa via countout. Uh, Gabe Kidd was so, they were so focused on beating people up, he forgot about the count and they were counted out. And so the War Dogs already down one in the, in the A block. And in the main event, Shota Umino and Ren Narita uh, teaming together, they would get their first two points of the tournament, defeating the Great Okan and Aaron Hanare uh, to get the victory and get the two points. That would happen on A Block in Corkwin. They stayed in Corkwin on Tuesday night for B Block action. But before we got to the four matches for B Block, we would see Katsuya Morishima make his debut as a young lion with New Japan. He would fall to the Boston Crab and Yuto Nakamura. Kashima in that opener. Then in our in the the match the event proper, Toa Leona and Bishop Khan would be able to defeat Oscar Loibe and Tomaaki Homa. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, along with Oiwa and Bolton Oleg, defeated the great uh, the United Empire's Great Okan Hanari and Callum Newman. Uh, Tiger Mask, Master Wato, along with Narita and Umino, defeated uh, Gato Taiji Shimori, Gabe Kid, and Alex Coglin. And uh, House of Torture was victorious over TMDK, Shane Hayes, Mikey Nichols, and Kosei Fujita. And then in our B-block matches for World Tag League, Sobrano Jr. and Atlantis get the flash, like Sobrano Jr. getting a flash pin on Minoru Suzuki to give the CMLL team a victory in their first two points of the tournament. In the uh, sixth match, uh, Monster Sauce would defeat Jack Bonza and Bad Luck Fale to get their first two points. It was a cinnamon twist by Alex Zayn that got the victory. Uh, just five guys were also victorious in their opening match over Zandakan Jr. and Yoda Suji. The Black Mephisto and Zandakan Jr. was the difference. And then in our main event, and what many people saw was a big-time upset. The strong openweight tag team champions, El Phantasmo and Hikaleo, defeated the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions and the two-time defending World Tag League champions, Bishamon uh, in the in the main event, so a big time victory for uh, God over Bishamon, and that would give them their first two points. 
after a day off to travel from Tokyo, outside of Tokyo, we would get things going to Kanagawa at the Yokohama Budokan. The opening match would see the continuation of the debut, the continuation of reps for Katsuya Murashima, but this time he would once again tap out to the Boston Crab, Yuta Nakashima, then the show opened proper with Taiji Ishimori, uh, Jack Bonza, and Bad Luck Fale getting the victory over Tiger Mask and the CMLL team of Sobrano Jr. and Atlantis Jr. Uh, LIJ would be victorious over the uh, Huntai team. It would be Yoda Suji, his teammate in the World Tag League, Zondakan Jr., Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. Uh, they would defeat Masawato Tomaki Homa. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata, he would, uh, Homa would be pinned by the move known as Vamos Amigos, which is basically Yoda Suji jumping off of Zondakan Jr. with a splash. Nice move, by the way. All right, third match, we would see Bishamon get back on their winning ways with Bolton Oleg. They would defeat Monster Sauce and Oscar Loibe. Uh, Taichi, Yurimura, and Doki, just five guys, defeated G.O.D.'s Jado and strong openweight tag champs, Phantasmo and Hikuleo. Toriano and Tomohiro Ishii, when it came down to the World Tag League A block, would defeat the team of Toa Leone and Bishop Khan, the Gates of Agony, to get them to 0-2. Toriano and Ishii are now 1-1 one one at this point. Great Okan and Hinari would get on their winning ways, getting a victory over Oriwa and Kaito Kiyomiya. They're both 1-1 one one with two points. In our semifinal, the War Dogs would get their first victory and their first two points, defeating Narita and Umino, uh, who's also at two points at one and one. In our main event, TMDK continues their unbeaten run. They would defeat the uh, the House of Torture team, Yujiro Takahashi and Evil, with Tank Buster. They're now at four points at this point. And then came when then came uh, Friday, and we'll have uh, Saturdays up in just a bit. Let me see if they got it up yet. Cause I just watched Saturday's show like not too long ago, and it was a really good show. All right, they don't have it up. We'll 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 figure it out. All right, once again, Katsuya Murashima uh, continuing to get reps of uh, as a young lion, but he would fall to Oscar Loibe in the big boot in the opener. Then in our first match proper, Narita and Umino and Wato would defeat Yuto Nakashima and the Gates of Agony. Ryusuke Taguchi team with Yo. Yano and Ishii to defeat Gato, Taiji Shimori, and the War Dogs as a preview of their neck, the, the match that came on Saturday. Uh, Yo Yoshinobu Kanemaru, along with Yujiro Takahashi and Evil, uh, the House of Torture defeated Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Shingo Takaki, who was at home. This was a home game for Shingo, uh, but he ends up on the losing end of that one to the House of Torture. And then TMDK with Kosei Fuji defeated Hanare, Gokan, and Callum Newman. This was a preview of the main event for Saturday's show. Then in B-Block action, Atlantis Jr. and Sobrano Jr. get the 2-0, and four points defeating Bad Folly and Jack Bonza to fall them to 2-0-2 and zero points. Nagata and Suzuki also remain at zero points. They fell to Yoda Suji and Zandokan Jr. via the Vamanos Amigo in our semifinal. Another big upset as the defend two-time defending champions of this tournament are now 0-2 at this point. They lost to Monster Sauce via the blackout from Lance Archer to Hiroki Goto. Monster Sauce are still undefeated at 2-0 in B-Block, and also still undefeated in B-Block are just five guys as Taichi and Yuya Yurimura. 
as they were able to defeat the strong openweight tag team champions El Fantasmo and Hikaleo in the main event. And then Saturday's action, which took place today, uh, we saw... Hang on, put this up right now. There we go. We saw we saw uh, Katsuya Murashima once again lose to Yudo Nakashima. Then we would see Monster Sauce. I don't the the matches the the league matches themselves. We would see Narita and Umino defeat Toa Leone and Bishop Khan. So now Bishop Khan, the Gates of Agony, they are now zero and three. Um, Narita and Umino are now two and one, so they're at four points. Uh, Yano and Ishii were able to survive. Gay Kid and Alex Cock were they were they were supposed to going to survive, but after jumping them before the match started, Gabe Kid and Alex Coggin were still able to get the victory. So now Gabe Kid and Alex Coggin get two more points on the board. Uh, uh, Oiwa and Kiyomiya were able to defeat the House of Torture. Uh, it was a really tight one. And then Hanare and Great Okan and TMDK will see TMDK get to three and oh and six points on the on the uh, on the tournament. They would defeat the United Empire duo uh, in grand fashion with Tank Buster to get themselves to six points. And they are on a roll there. So moving forward, we will see on Sunday uh, they're going to be in Fukushima for the uh for the continuation of the tournament and what is going to be a busy time there's going to be three more events over the next couple of days uh and it begins sunday in fukushima uh so the tournament matches that are going to be taking place are going to see sobrano jr and atlantis jr taking on monster sauce just b block uh you'll see yoshi uh, bishimon take on the rogue army you're going to see Nagata and Suzuki taking on just five guys as Taishi and Yuya Yurimura. And you'll see in the main event, Yoda Suji and Zandakan Jr. taking on G.O.D., the strong openweight tag champions, El Phantasmo and Hikaleo. Then after a day off, they're going to be off on Monday and then back at it Tuesday. And the tournament matches are going to be Gates of Agony. It's going to be A-Block action. The Gates of Agony taking on the Bullet Club War Dogs. United Empire taking on the House of Torture. Chaos taking on TMDK. That's Yano and Ishii against Haste and Nichols. And in our main event, we'll see the Young Gun matchup of Narita and Umino taking on Oiwa and Kiyomiya. Uh, Narita and Umino are very familiar with Kiyomiya from their time facing each other in the G1 this past year in that Young Gun's A block. But now they get to face him and Oiwa in a with a chance to get two more points in the main event and then on Wednesday in Shizuoka uh, the tournament matches for the B block will see Zandakan Jr. and Yoda Suji taking on the Rogue Army uh, Suzuki and Nagata taking on G.O.D. Yuya Yurimura and Taichi taking on Monster Sauce and Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto Bishimon against Sobrano Jr. and Atlantis Jr. Hopefully Bishimon can get back, get on the winning ways because right now they are 0-2 in A block and that is what's going on in New Japan. Before we move on, just want to let you guys know that right now the records that are so far for us is that Sith and Sage are both at ten and ten, so they're they're at five hundred. Mm. I'm currently okay. at nine, eleven, and I'm currently at eleven and nine, so I'm one win ahead of the both of y'all. And that's off the strength. That's off the strength of today's action. I went undefeated. I picked all four of them correctly. Nice. And y'all both went two and two. So now I was able to catch up 
up and 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 go above and get above y'all. But it's still early. We still got a lot more to go. So we'll see yeah. what happens. But make sure you tune in next week for the recap for uh, World Tag League, World Tag League Rewind, uh, streaming live on Twitch and also on all of our audio platforms. All right, we're going to get ready to start talking about Full Gear, which happened last weekend, and Survivor Series was taking place this weekend. But before we do that, I want to say hello to my friend Sunshine. Thank you for the 50 bitch. Much love to you. Hello to HBC is in the house as well. We thank you for joining us as well, as we are now going to talk about what's uh, getting to our pay-per-view segment, as we always do after New Japan. And we're going to start by talking about Full Gear. I want to say thank you for... To everybody who did join us for the brief live reactions that we did last weekend, uh, we were Sif was on Facebook on his own, and then we did both Facebook and Twitch for a little while, but then got done with it, and I ended up going and enjoying a cigar and an alcoholic beverage while watching the rest of the show, which was pretty good. But this week, we, we're going to be, I'm finally back for live reactions. It's going to be myself, Sith, and Sage for some sort of Survivor <laughs> Series, so it's going to be awesome. But let's talk about Full Gear first. Full Gear, which took place last week in uh, outside of Los Angeles, California, in Inglewood, California, at the yep. fabulous Kia Forum. And there were 11 matches total. It was three on the pre-show, zero hour, and then eight on the main card. So, like we always do when they have zero hour matches, we're going to lump the zero hour matches into one complete thought, like one complete analysis and things before we get into the main card. So, our zero hour saw uh, Eddie Kingston successfully defend the Ring of Honor World Championship against Jay Lethal in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Claudio Castagnoli was able to defeat Buddy Matthews in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. And then MJF, along with Samoa Joe, would defeat the Guns to retain the ROH World Tag Team Championships before afterwards it would be uh, MJF that would get attacked by the, by the Guns and taken out by an ambulance, which looked to be, be sort of like a way to get this, uh, a story in line for the main event but that's all that happens but hey let's talk about it Sage. Uh, Seth what, what do you think about the whole uh the the zero hour show because you watched most of it I think I only caught I was only able to catch the uh the third match and I didn't I missed yeah. the first two yeah uh first match was a good way to open night having Ortiz as an equalizer worked well 10 55 is your match time there where it comes to Kingston lethal and I loved how Stokely Hathaway was questioned on commentary about how he could allow so many shenanigans from lethal stable mates. I thought that was hysterical. Okay, second match. Castagnoli Matthews. There is a we want mommy chant. You do not want that in an arena. And it shows that where it comes to the House of Black, that aside, the AW fans could care less about Buddy Matthews, but it was a good match overall, though, where the post-match... Oh, continued the friction between the House of Black and the Blackpool Combat Club, 10.30 of match time there. Then you get to MJF Samojo Guns. Really good match wrap-up, zero hour, but the problem is post-match with the injury angle and the aftermath. We're starting to lean more into sports entertainment here. Overall, good to have a match that teased the friction between MJF and Samojo, as well as have the Guns look like complete decks, 9.25 of match time. Yeah, like I said, I was able I was able to watch uh, the tag team title match, and I enjoyed the tag match, the title match. I'm sad that I missed Kingston and uh, and Lethal as well as Claudio and Buddy. I'm pretty sure that one was a really good one. 
yeah. as well. But let's get into the main card. We opened up with our six-man tag team matchup, which saw the patriarchy. That's the new name of the group of uh, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, <laughs> and Nick Wayne. They took on the team of Sting, Darby Allen, and the rated R superstar Adam copeland uh who had rick flair at ringside really good matchup my only gripe with this match though my only gripe was mm-hmm. the fact that rick flair legit put his hands on fucking on fucking uh christian cage and the referee saw it and did nothing about it did absolutely nothing Outside of that, it was a pretty good matchup that saw Stain Darby Allen and, and Adam Copeland get the victory. The match went 15 minutes and 10 seconds. It would be Luchasaurus that would eat the pinfall on this one. Uh, say, Seth, what did you think about this one? Good opening match to the main card. It was pretty predictable that Cage was going to bail on Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, though. This head spots made you go, rah, but also was a good match, though. Uh, 1510 is your match time, and please, the spot that Flair had, let that be the only fucking spot he has, please, and thank you. I do not want to see that fucker in the ring wrestling. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see that fucker in the ring. <laughs> fucking sin. Jesus Christ. Listen, man. I, I don't know. I just I just thought that was the craziest shit in the world that Flair in front of the referee put his hands on someone who's in the match and there was no disqualification. They just said, eh, fuck it. It was just like, what? Is, okay, you listen to B- Busted Open Radio every day, sir. Did Bully Ray yeah. say anything about that on Busted Open Radio this week? I want to know. I believe he did. I'd have to go double check on the archive on demand, but I think he had a few things to say about that. I'd have to go double check. Yeah, I need to know because that's crazy to me that that fuck that that went that happened. It was no disqualification, nothing happened, and I'm just sitting here like dumbfounded, like, wait, why is this not a disqualification? What are we doing here? Anyway, we're gonna move on. Yeah, we're gonna move on. All right, we're gonna talk about the uh, next matchup, which which was the AEW International Championship match, yes. which saw uh, Orange Cassidy defending against John Moxley. Now we all thought, okay, the, you know, John Moxley is the champion. Looks like they're gonna put the championship yeah. back on him. You know, at, at, on Dynamite, he know the man like John Moxley no sold the Orange Punch, and we were thinking that's 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 what we're gonna see. But instead, we saw. We saw him get hit with multiple orange punches before finally going down. And orange Cassie would get the victory over him at 12 minutes and five seconds to retain the AEW International Championship. Sith, what did you think about this one? Really good match here. Although, honestly, I could have done without the usual pay-per-view Moxley bleeding nonsense, which is his calling card. I get it. Look. Good match that at the end really did a really good job in subverting expectations as we all had Moxley winning, but instead of the hot potato booking, Orange Cassidy retained here. Not as good as their first encounter, but still a lot of good fun. 12.05 your match time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this wasn't as good as their, their main event encounter at All Out, but it still was quite good. And it was a feel-good moment because, again, Orange Cassidy in his first main event wasn't able to walk out the champion, but this time he was able to walk out the champion and defeat him. And, I mean, really, really, really well done, and I really enjoyed it for what it was. All right, next up we will have our first of, surprise, surprise, two women's matches. And not only were the two women's matches – Two women's championship matches. The first being Tony Storm taking on Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's World Championship. And this is another match where the referees 
fucked up. The referee fucked up. <laughs> okay, so this it's is a really good match. That's gotten old quicker than me getting gray hair. Yeah, so we <laughs> saw, like, Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida had a really good matchup. It was a really fun matchup. I enjoyed it immensely. But then Tony Storm put something in her, in, in her, <laughs> in her trunks and her tights that can be clearly visible on her ass. Everybody and their mama saw it except Aubrey Edwards. Somehow Aubrey Edwards didn't see the metal thing on her ass. And then she used it to hip attack Hikaru Shida and then still and then pins her and got the three count. And Tony Storm, timeless Tony Storm, becomes the new AEW women's world champion with a clear international object on her ass that everyone can see except Aubrey Edwards. She, she was still there when she raised her hand and somehow she don't see it anyway Sith, what are your thoughts on uh, on this match as i say hello to my better half who subscribed for 20 months thank you but Sith, your thoughts yeah this was a case of a good match that did way too fucking much in the interference department as this stalled the card out just a bit for me not a terrible match but one that was marred with so much interference that it was a case of major overbooking here. I'd like the appearance more I made at the end as you're building towards the obsessed fan here. I'll talk about more about this in final thoughts. 1025 your match time. Yeah, the fact that there were two ref gaps in one pay-per-view is too much for me. Like how do you not see a metal look like a plate or something hanging off of her ass. I mean, Tony Storm has a very ample ass. You can't miss yes. it. And you couldn't miss that. Yet somehow Aubrey Edwards <clears throat> missed it. And we have a new champion. Whatever. I, I actually, you know, I, despite that, I, I like the title change. I like the title change. They're yeah. really doing something with Tony Storm, and I appreciate it. And I'm just so happy that Mariah May who I was able to get to know during the pandemic when she was streaming, when wrestling, there was no independent wrestling in the UK, so she got to streaming. I got to know her pretty well, got to play Among Us with her, everything like that became a real good part of her community. I'm so happy that she's here in the United States with AEW. She deserves it. She's worked her ass off, and now she's reaping the benefits of being of that hard work, not only on the independence in the UK, but then going over the stardom and really killing it in stardom now she's here in aew and i'm so happy for her. all right next up we will have the four-way tag team ladder match for the aew world tag team championships ricky starks and big bill defending against lfi roosh and Duristico, uh ftr and the kings of the black throne malachi black and brody king this was your typical ladder match you know using ladders ladder spots all this kind of stuff that you expect from a ladder match. Uh, Brody King hitting his finisher on a ladder. That was nasty. I was like, what in the hell is wrong with these guys? But in the end, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, who have said on numerous numerous occasions, they're singles wrestlers. They're not a tag team. They're singles wrestlers, but they are tag team champions, and they are still tag team champions after winning this matchup, defeating the other three teams by getting the, the belts off the ladder to, uh, at the top. So, Sith, what did you think about this one as my better half has gifted a sub to my good friend Twitch Grace? Thank you very much. Ah, thank you, thank you, Miss Champ, for that gifted sub. Reminder, gifted subs next week on both podcasts. You'll love it. Okay. 
fun ladder match that'll be known a lot for a term here that we're going to use ladder carnage here and not known to being a technical masterpiece lots of chaos and carnage it took the fans in the key of forming to complete amazement here Rykel was made to have Starks and Bill retain here. The ending was really well done. 20-35, your match time. Yeah, 20 minutes, 35 seconds of pure violence and chaos, which we love around these parts. And then we would go to our second women's championship match for the AEW TBS championship. Uh, Chris Statlander defending against Julia Hart and Sky Blue in a three-way matchup. And this was a really good matchup. I, mm -hmm. I just honestly... This is one of my favorite matches of the night. These three women absolutely brought it. Uh, Sky Blue came out with new interest, with new interest music. Though I like her old one, but she came out with new interest, with a new interest theme. Julia Hart came out with all of her grandeur and her and her and her aura, and Chris Statlander just being a great champion. Uh, but this one saw a yet another title change as Julia Hart wins the TBS championship, becomes the only the third TBS champion in that championship lineage, and she became the youngest champion in AEW history at just 22 years of age. Uh, Julia Hart, who just who's been killing it. The last calendar year, ever since joining the House of Black, now has a championship to show for it. What do you think about this one, Seth? The house always wins. She tells us that every fucking time she heads to the ring, and this time she capitalized. Good things about this match. The crowd about a third of the way got into it big time, which was good, given the fact that this match followed an insane ladder match. Also, Hart has been on a good board with her work with the Varsity Blondes, the heel turn, and then joining the House of Black. So her reward is what I call a very good title reign. Only questionable thing, Sky Blue taking the pin here, but that's small potatoes at the end of the day. That's just grasping its brawls because someone had to take the L here. 11.20, your match time. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's inconsequential who takes the pin. I mean, it is a three-way, but it yeah. also opens up the door for Statlander to get a rematch because she can call, they can go with the whole she wasn't pinned for the championship type of thing. That gives her an opening to get another shot at the championship, and we can get another classic between Statlander and and Julia Hart, like they put on at Wrestle Dream last month, I seriously like or two, uh, almost two months ago now. But I honestly feel like this is this is definitely going to be uh, a rivalry to keep your eye on and stuff like that. Uh, then we would go from that to utter, utter depraved violence. <laughs> The Texas death match between Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page was absolutely depraved violence that went almost, that was five seconds short of 30 minutes, 29 minutes and 55 seconds. There was a spot in there where Hangman busted open Swerve and then drank his blood. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, do you not know about hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C? COVID's still out here. Why are you drinking that man's blood? What are you doing? Anyway, it was just violence. Staple guns. It was cinder blocks. It was tables. It was barbed wire. Any and everything you could ask for in a Texas death match, you got. And it ended with Swerve Strictly. Oh, my God. Swerve Strickland hanging Hangman Adam Page 
choking him out, and he couldn't respond to the 10 count. And Swerve Strickland getting his second straight victory over Adam Page. And what what Sage is, I agree with Sage, the best match of the night, bar none. Don't at me. It was the best match of the night. Sith, what did you think about this Texas death match? Here's where Champ completely loses it, as do I with a certain spot. Look, I get the need for a death match, but Paige drinking Strickland's blood? What the fuck? The early parts of this match with the stapling, the blood drinking, that turned a match from being entertaining into garbage wrestling. Things got better. But then he had the interference shenanigans at the end, and I'm like, it's a death match. But yeah, it was still a lot of fun to watch. 29.55 is your match time, but note to AEW, can we now cool it off with the death match ideas until Revolution? Keep them all pay-per-view and TV for a while, because we've done several this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but like I said, I really love this match. Oh uh, yeah, e- even with the the the, the blood drinking uh, shit, that was it was shock at all. Like, I mean, you want shock at all? Like, all, most of these death matches are all almost the same formula, but they really flipped the script on this one and really made it ultra violent and ultra bloody and ultra like want to turn your head, and not want to look. But then again, you're if you're sick in the head like I am, you're watching the whole thing and just like, holy shit, this is cool. <laughs> anyway, match, along with Cassidy Moxley are my two favorite matches of the night because as much shit as I give people for some of the garbage wrestling that was in that match, the horror that in me that loves body horror, I was like, wow, you know, for the most part. Yeah, I my my two favorite matches are this one and the TBS Championship. Those are my yeah. two favorite, honestly. Uh, but then we get to our semi-main event. It would be the tag match between the Golden Jets of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks. The Golden Jets, if the Golden Jets win, they would get the eight, uh, the tag team title shot that the Bucks have. If the Bucks win, Golden Jets would disband as a team. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, if you're a Young Bucks fan, the Young Bucks are no longer the number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Championships because the Golden Jets would defeat them. And they would get their title shot. The Young Bucks would then storm off with a temper tantrum. And since then have now gone on social media to say that the being elite uh, vlog is no is over. Brandon Cutler relaying that match and saying they're going to take a break. This and the third. So there you go. It matched with 20 minutes and 45 seconds. Sith, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I like this match quite a bit. But the problem is that they put it, they were put into a slot that an impact... When you follow the gauntlet or monster's ball, the crowd is completely gassed and you're stuck in a slot where you have to get the crowd back into the pay-per-view. About halfway through it, the crowd was back and that was a lot of fun to see match. This match was a lot of fun to watch. Liked how the Bucks cemented their heel turn. Callus being deceptive if he's really contacted the Bucks or not. 20.45, your match time. 
Yeah, I mean, this was a, this match had a very tough spot being not only the semi-main, but following what was an ultra-bloody and ultra-violent Texas death match. But they did yeah. the best of what they had and was able to, to give us a, a a victory for the Golden Jets. So now we'll see the Golden Jets against whoever the tag team champions are somewhere down the line. And then we would get to our main event. Now, let's set the stage here. Yeah. During the Zero Hour pre-show, MJF was attacked by the guns. He was taken out on a stretcher and put into an ambulance, and he uh, he begged Adam Cole to not let them take his championship. Don't let him take my championship. Don't let him take my championship. Before Zero Hour ended, it was looking like they were going to have the championship forfeited and awarded to Jay White, but Adam Cole came out and said, no, I will take his place. Mind you, he's on crutches with one leg. So there you go. But then before the match even got started, as Adam Cole was making his way down to the ring, and of course, Jay White was in the ring, uh, MJF would commandeer an ambulance. He would get into the arena limping, and he would get into the match. And we would have MJF versus Jay White for the AEW World Championship. And this is another match that went almost 30 minutes. 29-45 would be the match time, making it the second longest match of the night, right behind the Texas Death Match by only 10 seconds. So how about that? Uh, it would be a good back and forth between the two. At one point, uh, uh, MJF looked to do an elbow drop onto Jay White on a table, but unfortunately, the table gave way as he was being put on the table. So they improvised, still decided to do an elbow drop from the top rope, and ended up popping his hip out of place, did MJF. So he ended up suffering a legitimate injury, in which it would help to exacerbate the limp from his kayfabe injury. Uh, but he would gut through it and would finish off the match and would defeat uh, Jay White to retain the AEW World Championship. Later on, he would have his hip pop back into place, and he would. it looks like he would be uh, not doing a lot of wrestling for the next little bit of time while that heals. But, Sith, your thoughts on our very, very hyped and heavily booked main event? Yeah, this is where Tony Khan and his overbooking really has taken a toll with me because I worry after the rewatch, will the fans eventually turn on their scumbag at the end of the day or just stop caring? The match was fine for what it was, but with the overbooking of the injury angle, the overabundance of interference and making Jay White look like a fucking schmuck for not beating a guy with one healthy leg leaves a very bad taste in my mouth. 29.45 your match time. Yeah, there was a lot that went into this. Even even finally, again, something was about to happen in front of the referee, but this time there was something done about it with the guns getting kicked out of ringside, yeah. and that left Jay White alone, and then MJF was able to finish it, was able to get the victory. But, I mean, I, I got to agree with Sith, though, is that, you know, you have a man... At the same time, I mean, they are pushing MJF as like this big baby face, which I never thought it would work. Him being a baby face, I will be honest with you, but it's working out very much well. And he was able to overcome and be able to uh, retain the championship. So there you go. All right, let's talk. Let's talk final grades here, Sid. Let's talk about final grades here for AEW Full Gear twenty twenty three. Tony Khan and AEW deliver again, but this is a case where a lot of the matches suffer from Tony Khan overbooking things to the point where it sinks the grade overall for the pay-per-view. And Tony Storm, excuse me, in Hikaru Shida, the pan that was in Tony Storm's ad, you know, under the trunks. Come on. Stevie Wonder could have seen that. Come on, Tony, you're doing too much. The Texas Hardcore match, it was so graphic that Bruiser Brody was blushing from heaven. 
okay? The main event and the injury angle made me think that MJF is being booked as a Hogan Cena type now. We don't need that. Overall, this card missed out on high expectations in some parts because of overbooking. And some things, like referees, need to be tightened up. Because this is one of the least enjoyable pay-per-views of the year for me. Full gear gets a B-. minus. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, real, real quick, Heretic Ninja make, making a good point that Hangman attacks <laughs> were uh, wrestler, wrestling revolver two, uh, wrestling revolver two nights before full gear. So they had that going into into the Texas Death Match and it showed. So yeah, there you go. And Sage is giving it a B plus. I'm gonna give this event a B. I'm oh. gonna be in the middle here of a B here. Every the shortest match on the entire card was during the pre-show, and that was a tag title match, a Ring of Honor World Tag Title match at nine minutes and twenty-five seconds. Every match on this card got at least ten minutes, including the women, which was great. You know, yeah. we've always de- we've always derived Tony Khan from not giving the women enough time either on the main on one of the TV shows or on pay per view. But not only did he give us two women's matches on the card, but they both went over ten minutes, and we they, we they both resulted in title changes that were well worth and deserved, honestly. And so that's why I'm giving it a B. And then the, the Texas Death Match in and of itself was just absolutely incredible. It was an incredible, incredible matchup that was ultra violent and personal, and it was necessary given the rivalry between the two. With Swerve getting the victory, I'm, you know, I'm not mad about that. I think it's a, it's a good way to go with him getting the victory, honestly. But uh, hopefully they they have one more, and maybe Hangman gets a victory, maybe not. Who knows? But I go, I'm going with a B for for full gear. I'm going with a B. Kid. All right, now it's time to talk about Survivor Series taking place Saturday night uh, on Peacock. And remember, yours truly, along with Sith and Sage, are going to be live reacting to the card uh, right here on Twitch. So make sure you tune in uh, Saturday night and have some fun with us. And this time we won't... Because there's no kickoff match. Yep, and then we won't be cutting it off early because I'm on here. I'm going to be enjoying a cigar and an an adult beverage, so we're going to be having some fun. (laughs) We're gonna be having some fun. All right, so having some shambles all night. <laughs> we're gonna. It's only five matches on the card that were announced. Uh, I don't think there's gonna be a sixth one announced last nope. minute. Maybe it is, but right now we have a five match card for this this event. So of course we're gonna talk about the non title matches first. Well, we're gonna do something different. We're gonna talk about the lone non title match, the title matches, and then the war games matches. Mm-hmm. All right. So, first off, the non lone non-title match on the card was one that was made uh, that had a change to it just la- uh, Friday night on SmackDown. It was originally going to be Carlito taking on Santos Escobar, what would be Carlito's first match on a premium live event and singles match in 13 years, according to his promo that he cut on SmackDown. But then after an attack by Santos Escobar, they played an injury angle, and now Dragon Lee, who they're pushing heavy, they're pushing him heavy. He is going to be now taking on Santos Escobar. Say, Sith, what do you think about this one? All right, y'all. Hear me out. As much as I like the call for Dragon Leaf from NXT, I really prefer the heel turn of Santos Escobar coming in as this Tony Montana clone from Scarface that we haven't gotten since the first incarnation of Razor Ramon. And so with Escobar, it's a guy of Hispanic descent. This is the case of having the former student take on the fellow lucha take on a fellow luchador. And although I know some people want Dragon Lee to win, 
Santos Escobar gets the W here. Yeah, I agree. Santos does get the W here. It, it makes zero sense. I know you're pushing Dragon Lee to the moon. Uh, he got his own video package and all that stuff on SmackDown. But I yep. think it makes zero sense to have Escobar make this heel turn, turn on Ray, turn on the LWO, and then have him lose in his first official match as a heel going on his own. So I think Santos does pick up the W on this one as well. All right, let's talk about our two championship matches on the card. First one will be... For the Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley has been a dominant world champion since winning that championship at WrestleMania as when it was the SmackDown Women's Championship. But now is um, he's now is now the Women's World Championship. We she will be defending against Zoe Stark, who won a number one contenders uh, battle royale in order to become the champion, uh, become the next challenger. So Sith. What are you thinking about when it comes to this Women's World Championship match? Are we going to see a new champion, or will Mommy continue to dominate? Mommy dominates. Look, we're dealing with predictability here. Heel versus heel, no less. Although I see Mommy as the babyface at the end of the day between these two ladies. Look, this all comes out to a case where Rhea Ripley is going to retain and will likely be champion until WrestleMania season. But the question is, how protected will Zoe Stark be here because in the loss? Because you're thrusting her into this position too soon, in my view. It's feeding a fatal five-way winner to a wolf. Ia Ripley retains. Hey, Seth, keep talking. I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. Get this, y'all. going to hang out with y'all for a minute here. My problem with predictable booking, and this is key is that it brings things down. And I agree with what Heretic Ninja just said. Zoe isn't ready for a title run yet. And nor is she, nor do I, she won the Fatal Five way, but they're feeding her to mommy just to get her out of the way. Just makes no sense to me. <laughs> Sage, mommy always on top of me. He's got Dragon Lee. All right, cool. And he got a B plus for the card. Um, Saturday night, full gear. That's cool. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the match. Don't get it twisted. I'm just, I'm not one for predictability where it comes to a big four pay-per-view. And this is one of the big four. And I think they're feeding us a predictable match here that'll go about, you know, 13, 15 minutes. So it's going to get some good match time. It's always start. She'll come out better in the loss because... You're working with a tenured vet in Rhea Ripley. He's not much older than she is. But as Sage, it should be a great match. On paper, it should be a great match. But I'm just hoping that they have enough shenanigans to protect her, even though the Judgment Day are well, otherwise occupied tonight, as y'all will find out in a bit. Um, going to answer a question real quick while we're waiting on Champ to return. And y'all are going to love this. I was asked to name, I did this on TikTok, I think, a movie that is considered to be scary that's not horror, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Get through the first 35 minutes, you go into the child slavery shit, shit gets wild. Saw that opening day in 70 millimeter when I was 10. Holy shit, I didn't have gray hair then. Um, but that's a film that can make you just go, whoa, change in tone, holy shit. It gets pretty wild. But all in all, things are cool. 
and we appreciate y'all for hanging out with us today. And I have a question for you all for tonight. And Champ is back before I can get that question on, so I'll do it tonight. No, go ahead and so, go ahead and say your question because I I just had food and I got you pizza. I'm in as well tonight. The opening question for tonight at seven fifty-five. How long do y'all think these two war games matches will last? Save it for tonight, guys. I want y'all to think about it for a couple of hours. Amen. All right. All right. Yeah. So we are. We just talked about the women's world title match. Let's talk about the intercontinental championship yeah. match. Walter, who's the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in history, defending against a former eight-time Intercontinental Champion, trying to get a knife reign, none other than The Miz. Uh, Sith, does Walter's dominating reign as IC Champ continue, or does Miz make it a ninth time as Intercontinental Champion? Okay, so we're dealing with predictability here again where it comes to me. Miz is a baby face again. I guess they're going third times a charm because Walter has gone through all the competition in his record setting win as IC champion as he's elevated this title. Sage, I love you, my brother, but your guy's going down here as Walter retains. It's going to be a good match, but there's no way beyond a puncher's chance that Miz pulls off a shocker. Walter retains. Oh, by the way, I didn't make a pick, but Rhea's going to retain the women's world title, and yeah. Walter will retain the Intercontinental Championship here. Um, but um, I think it's going to be a fine matchup here. This is a different style that Walter's not used to, so it'll be interesting to see how this this match plays out, but I think it's going to play out really well, but Walter will retain. And even Sage, who is a Miz Mark, yeah, is going with Sage. Walter. He's a Miz Mark. All right, now it's time to talk about War Games! And the first... War Games match we're going to talk about is going to be Team Bianca, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch taking on Damage Control. <laughs> Bailey, Oscar, Eo, Sky, and Kylie Sane. Eo is the current WWE Women's Champion. Uh, this should be a very interesting matchup, especially after what happened on SmackDown between Charlotte and Becky and all the tension between them. It'll be interesting, but there's also some slight bit of tension between uh, Bailey and the Japanese members of Damage <laughs> Control. So I'll be interested to see how this match plays out. But Sith, how do you see this match playing out? I am with Sage on this one. Team EST, and here's why. Look, we've got some intriguing things here story-wise. You got Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Are they on the, they're on the same team? You have to wonder, are they going to be able to be on the same page throughout this match and set aside their issues, which they have brought back into the story a year later? On the damage control side, Bailey appears to be the odd woman out here as it looks like the role model could be kicked out of her own faction. So who wins? Team EST, Bailey gets the pen. Yeah, I, I'm 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 leaning towards Team EST as well. I honestly feel like uh even though they have their issues with Becky and Charlotte, I think they're gonna get they're gonna deal with that and they're going to end up getting the victory and then that's going to begin the downfall of bailey leading uh damage control as it'll be taken over by uh oscar eo and uh Kyrie sane and dakota kai is probably in on it too they're probably all just done with with karen and they just want something different so we'll see but i think team esc will definitely uh, get the the pinfall victory on this one and i think bailey will be the one that takes the pin which will add more to uh, mm -hmm. the whole story of possibly her being kicked out of her own group. All right. 
the men's money in the ba- men's war games match has gotten even more intriguing than it already has with the judgment day now having uh Jordan Devlin as an official member teaming with Priest and Ballad Attack Champs and the North America NXT North American champion Dirty Dominic Mysterio. They also have Drew McIntyre, who's not an official member of Judgment Day, but is fighting with them. He they will be taking on a team of Cody Rhodes, Seth Freaking Rollins, Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, and they're returning. Randall, Randall, Keith, Randall, Keith, Randall, Randall, Keith, nah, 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 nah. Randy Orton returns and will be teaming with uh, his legacy teammate, Cody Rhodes, in this one. Thoughts on this one, Sith, please. Uh, they should be a fun match. His Drew has no loyalty towards the Judgment Day. His beef is with Jay. He's like, I don't trust him. Da, 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 da. Okay, cool. You've got inner conflicts with the Judgment Day. And on the other side of the ring, Randy Orton is a mystery partner, but Jay's not enthusiastic about this at all. I'm going with Team Cody here to defeat Team Judgment Day. Just going with my gut. This is going to be fucking wild. Jordan Devlin's going to get pinned, and it's going to be Randy Orton that does it with the RKO, and Team Team Cody's going to win. <laughs> that's the long and short of it. That's the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. We agree on every single prediction. Well, I mean, I gotta do something, man. I'm on a losing streak. What do you want from me? <laughs> anyway, anyway. I just retained for the week. That's all. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's what I think. I think it's gonna be RKO out of nowhere on yeah. Jordan Devlin and team and team Cody, Team American Nightmare gonna win. Basically, you know, oh, here, Tick Ninja, place your bet, boys. How loud will the crowd pop when voices play? It's oh, Chicago. It's gonna They're going to pop huge. They, it, it's going to blow. It, it's going to be so loud that outside the arena, you'll be able to hear it and probably down the fucking street. But I like the fact that they've all, you know, that, that they had Jay showing Jay's hesitation about teaming with Randy Orton because it was him and his brother that took out Randy yeah. and Riddle when they won the uh, the World Tag Team Championships for him to unify them uh, way back when. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but we'll see. Anyway, grades. Oh, Alex, I, after the match, I want Randy to give Jay an RKO. There you go. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. Yep. <laughs> Great. My reasons to watch this card. Champ, show them my name again. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Put them that in that window. There you go. The, the yeah. match beyond. Yep. The War Games matches, as well as Dragon Lee Santos Escobars, those matches aren't as predictable as our two title matches here. As you have Miz and Zoe start being fed to wolves here at the end of the day. Predictability aside, this should be a good PLE for WWE to end their main roster PLEs for the year, as the next PLE from WWE on the main run is NXT deadline, which is December the 10th, and then the Royal Rumble the weekend before my 50th birthday. Going with the B to start. The predictability of three matches really bring down the grade here. 
Yeah, I'm also going to go with a B here. I really think that Santos and Dragon Lee are definitely going to be um, going to be a big part of this. I think that they're going to do what they've normally done with War Games, and they're going to book in the show. The women's will probably open the show, and the men's will be the main event, especially with the big pop that's planned for Randy Orton. Um, but I think that Dragon Lee and Santos is going to be the, the the match to watch. Um, I think Rhea and Zoe is going to be a really good one as well. Zoe's really about to is really about to really step up in this in this spot and really show what she's made of here. And I think that Walter and Miz is going to be a very unique, very unique matchup to say the very least. But I'm going with a B as well. So that's what that's where I'm going with as well. And again, remember uh, Saturday night. Myself, Sip, Sage, live reacting to WWE Summer Survivor Series 2023 live on Twitch.tv/slash True No Spots Pod. Be there. All right, now it's time to get into a very abbreviated week in review, where we're only going to be talking about Raw, NXT, Dynamite, and SmackDown. And after each show, uh, with Sip driving the bus of the week in review, we will give you the grades from courtesy of Bleacher Report. And of course, Sip will give his opinions on the grades and his grades himself as well. So, Sip. Before we move on, Alex has, has uh, Alex's idea of who Randy Orton RKO's tonight is Rhea Ripley. And he wants her to get, he, Alex wants Rhea to get RKO by Randy Orton. And this RKO traumatizes Dom Mysterio and surrenders the match. And Team Cody wins. Do you agree or bad booking? Bad booking because the cage door is going to be closed. Therefore, you'd have to have Rhea get in, climb up the cage and get in in order to eat the RKO. Very true. It would have to be that. So, you know, anyway, let's. But the Mm -hmm. war games rules and everything, that cage door cannot open up because if someone escapes out of that cage, you know, match is over. Yep. All right. Let's get into the weekend review, Sith. Yeah. In this week in wrestling, which is very abbreviated because of the Thanksgiving holiday and also Survivor Series, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown had their go-home shows for WWE Survivor Series War Games, which is tonight on pay-per-view Peacock Premium and WWE Network outside the US of A. NXT continuing to build towards NXT Deadline, which is December the 10th on Peacock Premium and WWE Network. Excuse me. Um, AEW Dynamite had their fallout from full gear and also started their build towards World's End, which is on December the 30th on pay-per-view and Bleacher Report and Fight TV International. So what did we think of the week in wrestling? Let's find out in the Push Berry Week in Review, where if we like a segment, we give it a push. If we love the segment or match, big push or mega push, we thought it was okay, small push, you leave it where it is, and we don't like it, we bury it into the fucking ground. With Impact only Thanksgiving special, we'll have grades for all shows this week. Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, courtesy of our friends over at Bleacher Report, and I shall opine. And we go to Monday Night Raw with a very intriguing match here for Zia Lee. She took on Becky Lynch, and you had a really good brawl afterwards. Champ. Becky Lynch, Zion Lee, and post-match, push your berry. Um, I think this gets a big push, honestly. Like, Zion Lee was put in a big spot. I, unfortunately, 
you know, she did her whole little like demonstration and the crowds just didn't give a shit. It just, they were just sitting on their hands. I feel bad that she's been put into this spot where she's in there with uh, a future hall of famer and the crowd just don't give a shit about her, but she gave her a good fight. She ended up um, getting, she ended up losing uh, and stuff like that. Then damage control came in there and then we got the brawl between damage control and team EST, which was awesome. So yeah, give it a big push. I give it a big push as well. Look, it was a good match as Ayali had a good warm-up for the for an NXT Women's Championship match despite taking a clean out and enjoyed the skirmish after the match which helped the both war games. So strong match, good brawl, big push. Then we had Johnny Gargano take on Ludwig Kaiser, champ, Pochaveri. Uh, this gets a big push as well. Really, really good, solid wrestling match here between these two. And I really like the entry that's being brought up here with uh, Vin- with Vinci seemingly in more favor yeah. to Walter than Kaiser is. So I really, really like this one, and I really enjoy this matchup. So big push for me. You know, I give it a big push for a different for another reason, though. When you have two people that know that have had matches together over and over again, the chemistry comes out as gold. You get really good matches. There was a lot, lot of fun to watch here. I mean, you look at Giovanni Benci's face after the match. You could tell there's more story to be told. Give it a big push. And we had a fatal four-way that got some good match time as we were determining the next challengers for the consolation prize of the Women's Tag Team Championship. We had an Italian Tegan Knox. Candice LeRae and Indy Hart, while Caden Carter, Katana Chance, and Ivy Nail, Nile, and Maxine Dupree, champ, Pushaberry. Uh, this gets a push. I really like the fact that Maxine Dupree went and jumped on everybody. Then she jumped up and was like, oh, thank you. I really like I like the combination of, of Dupree and, and Nile. They're so totally different, but they work so well. But I'm really happy for Tegan Knox and Natalia uh, getting the victory. I think that that program with those two and the tag champions, uh, Piper Nevin and Chelsea Green. I think that's going to be a pretty good program. Hopefully they book it correctly and give them some TV time to build that up properly. But I'm going to give this a push. It's a really nice matchup. I give it a push for a reason, champ. Not only was the match good. But yeah, Chelsea Green and Piper Nevin on commentary. And Chelsea Green, give credit where it's due. She got a shit sandwich and turned it into chicken salad with this Karen gimmick. Proved me wrong. She has. You know, this was a decent match. I got some good time. Four good teams. I wish Natalia Knox the best, but I don't think they're winning. And I love seeing Chance and Carter. Oh, my God, where the fuck have they been? Give it a push. Then Shinsuke Nakamura took on Chad Gable, champ. Push or bury. I'm giving this one a push, border on a big push, and here's why. Really, really good matchup. Of course, we know how good of a wrestler Johnny is. We're finally seeing, they're finally showing Shinsuke Nakamura in the proper way and things like that. Yeah. And I think this is really good. So I give this a push bordering on a big push. Uh, fun match here. This was another program that I could watch over and over again. 
and still get enjoyment between these two wrestlers. I think that Alpha Academy has gone back into more of a comedic route again, but then again, you've got a stable that really works in the ring as well as comedy. Shinsuke Nakamura can have match after match after match with this gimmick and it's absolute gold. I give it a big push. Mm. Then in our main event, we had Drew McIntyre, Jay Uso for the team advantage in War Games. And then very intriguing things happening in our post-match. Champ, push your berry. When you put everything in totality, including the post-match with the reveal that Randy Orton is the fifth member of the team, uh, you got to give this a big push almost to, to the point, not quite to the point of a mega push, but definitely a big push to uh, territory. Uh, the match itself was really good. And for the first time in some years, uh, Drew McIntyre actually won the match with the Future Shock DDT and not with the Claymore kick and one clean. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this is really setting up for what's going to be a really hellacious War Games matchup. Uh, the crowd went crazy for Randy Orton's reveal, even though Randy Orton didn't even come out, but they still went crazy. And I think it's going to be great. So I give this a big push. I give it a big push bordering on Mega Push. Really great way to throw things into a blender and not only get the team advantage cleared out, but also have the nice tease in the post-match after the brawl as Randy Orton is number five, much to the chagrin of main event Jay Uso. Match was lit, a lot of fun, big push bordering on Mega Push. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Bleacher Report and let's get the grades. Excuse me, the grades for this week's edition of Raw, the uh, go-home show for Survivor Series, comes to us from Doc Chris Mueller of Bleacher Report. All right. First off, the opening segment that that they had when they had Drew McIntyre and all that stuff was going on, that got a B-. minus. Let me throw up my notepad here. B+. No, 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 no. B. B. Okay. Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez got a B minus. I give it a B minus as well. It was a decent match, but it wasn't one that could be better than what we saw later on with Becky and Zaya. The finish was really cool though, because it looked like yeah. she was probably going to powerbomb Nia, and then Nia shifted her weight and still squashed her, and then went up on top and squashed her again. I was like, okay, that's a little bit of overkill, but it was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, B minus for that one. Becky Lynch versus Zaya Lee. That got a B plus. Give it a B plus. That was awesome. All right. Next up, Johnny Gargano versus Ludwig Kaiser. That got to be my B plus. I'm sorry. I give it a B plus as well. That was a lot of fun to watch. The women's tag team number one contenders Fatal 4-Way, which had Natalya and Tegan Knox, Katana Chess and Caden Carter, Indy Hardware and Candice LeRae, and Ivy Nell and Maxi Dupree. That got a C+. I give it a B-. minus. It was good. Just slightly better than their doc. Chad Gable versus Shinsuke Nakamura. That got a B+. Plus. I agree, B+. And then Drew McIntyre versus Jay Uso. That got a B. A-. 
And in the final word from Doc Chris, quote, this week's Raw managed to deliver some enjoyable in-ring action and a solid go-home show heading into Survivor Series this weekend. A staggering 27 women were featured on Monday's episode across various matches, segments, and video packages, which might be some kind of record for a non-Royal Rumble show. Every match was enjoyable on some level, but the best performance of the night goes to Gargano and Kaiser, with Lynch and Lee being a close second. War Games is always a fun stipulation, and with the return of Orton set for the pay-per-view, fans in Chicago are going to be in for a great time. As a whole, it feels like WWE programming has hit its stride recently. It's not perfect, but the shows have been consistently more enjoyable from start to finish and quote his final grade was a b and i did notice that there were a lot of women being featured on raw this week i thought that was awesome aew take notes yeah they're not going to take notes they're too busy doing other things sadly look this was a raw episode where even the worst match of the night was still a good match through and through this was a, also a really good go home for Survivor Series War Games. The only thing I wouldn't watch, rewatch on this whole thing, is Raquel Naya. And even that was a good match. Even that was a good match up until the finish. Okay, y'all? For all this week, it's a B. More of this, please, and thank you where it comes to programming, where everything just falls into place. Absolutely. All right, we're moving on. Up to NXT, where we had a Heritage Cup match between Noam Dar, Chad Gable, Champ, Pusher Berry. Uh, I got to give that a push, a big push. Really, really good matchup. Uh, man, I feel bad for Chad that uh, he ran out of rounds and ended up losing that way, but I thought it was a really good match uh, and really just really, really leaves it open for another opportunity for Chad Gable and Norman to face each other. So we'll see what happens. But definitely, definitely, I really enjoyed this matchup. So I give it a, a big push. Missed opportunity to have this entire match full screen as parts of the third round were pitcher and pitcher. But overall, a fun Heritage Cup match overall for those whining about Dark cheating to win. The cheating protects Gable and it's Dar's act. Dar is better as a heel than a babyface. Has been since NXT UK, and even before that, even give it a push bordering on big push. Then we had Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo taking on Idris Enofe and Malik Blade Champ Push Berry. Uh, this gets a push. They're finally starting to do something with uh, Carrillo and uh, and and Garza uh, after repackaging them away from that Los Lotario shit. And I mean, now they're they're, they're starting to be more vicious and more determined. I think they're going to be a good team to go after the family and the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I give it a push. Giving this push as well. This was a good tag team match. Uh, Garza and Carrillo. To show what they're made of and are allowed in Ophi and Blade to show what they've done in developmental. Give it a push. Then in, we had Carmelo Hayes versus Josh Briggs. Wow. Champ. Pusher Berry. 
Oh, this 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 gets a big push from me, especially because of the fact that Josh Briggs and not Carmelo Hayes was the one that won the matchup. Although it did have a slight bit of assistance from the former Brian Pillman Jr., now known as Lexus King. But what a victory for Josh Briggs, who's normally in tag team, but he beat a former NXT champion and former NXT North American champion to get into the Iron Survivor match at Deadline. Yeah, I who did who saw this coming? Briggs out of fucking nowhere beating Carmelo Hayes to get into the Iron Survivor match. Sure, what Lexus King got involved in, in the end, but this was a really good match and a breakout moment from Briggs away from Jensen and Henley. Let's fucking go. Big push. Then, however, champ Blair Davenport versus Thea Hale. You push your berry. Leaving it where it is, unfortunately, and I hate to do that, especially because this was uh, one, this I think was the lone women's match on, no, it was the second, it was the women's championship match, which had yeah. a false start and then an uh, actual end up in the main event. They could have easily just made the main event off top instead of doing what they did, but whatever. I, this match was fine. It's just that there, this whole focus on the whole Chase U scandal and things like that, it, it is what it is, but, you know, do I would I go back and watch this match? Probably not. No. Let me go to this truck of shed. And I get the story that's trying to be told here, but fuck me. I, I just can't deal with it anymore. We would get where it is, but if this match had gone any longer, it would have been buried. Then we get to the main mm -hmm. event where we had Lyra Valkyria taking on Zia Lee for the NXT Women's Championship champ. Uh, I got to give this a big push. Um, again, they could have just made this the main event off top. They didn't have to have uh, Valkyria come out to for earlier on in the show and then have La uh, Lee attack her and then have us wait until later on in the show to have it. They could have made the main event, but at the same time, I get what they were trying to do. So that's why I'm not going to fault them too much for, for that play. But I give it a big push because when they did get in there and get after it, you know, Lyra was uh, was wounded. So, of course, she played the wounded babyface champion trying to come back from underneath. Lee trying to play the dominant heel, but it worked out well. Lyra was able to retain the championship and give us a really good main event match to end off uh, NXT. So give it a big push. Yeah, fun, fun main event with an injury angle that although it's what it was in story, it was a decent way to make Valkyria look like a fighting champion. Not as solid as a match as I had with Becky Lynch, but this kept off an NXT in a good way. Give it a big push. All right. Let's get the grades here. These come from uh, Kevin Burge of Bleacher Report. Kevin, what do you got for us here? Our, Herit our Heritage Cup match between Norm Dar and Chad Gable, he gave that a C plus. I'd give it a B. Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking with the C plus. This man, uh, this man, cool. Anyway, we'll Angel, Angel Garza, Angel Garza, and Humberto. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo versus Idris Anofe and Malik Blade. He gave that a C. C plus. Uh, the Iron Survivor qualifier match between Carmelo Hayes and Josh Briggs that got a B plus. I agree, B plus. 
The other Iron Survivor qualifier, Blair Davenport versus Thea Hale, got a D. I, yeah. D. God, that was painful. Eddie Thorpe versus Char- Eddie Thorpe versus Charlie Dempsey got a D plus. I agree, D plus. That was not fun to watch. And in the main event, Lyra Valkyria versus Zia Lee for the NXT Women's Championship got a B plus. I agree, B plus. And in the overall show, quote: This was a fine show, but the promise of the card did not fully deliver some sloppy finishers finishes did not help matters the opener felt like a tease of what chad gable and noam dar can really do together and there were multiple squash matches that could have used more time carmelo hayes versus josh briggs was a surprise hit that elevated an underused big man briggs's win was the most important moment of the night the main event was also solid action Zia Lee continued to show out and worked well with Lyra Valkyria. The result was predictable but necessary given NXT's future should focus on the Valkyria. NXT brought its C game but positively kept the energy moving towards deadline. End quote. His overall grade was a C. Okay, NXT was all over the fucking place this week. You had the really good matches in the main event as well as Briggs versus Mello. You had the good where it came to the Heritage Cup match between Noam Darn and Chad Gable as well as Garza and Corella versus, you know, in their tag team match. But then you get to Blair Davenport and her match against Thea Hale. And it's a case of, what the fuck are we doing here? Overall, it's not a bad show, but it's one where I can only recommend three or four matches and the rest are either fine or just missable. NXT gets a C this week. It's just there. Whew. Now we go to Dynamite Wednesday night and the Continental Classic. We had several matches. I did them separately. Swerve Strickland versus Jay Lethal opened up the show champ pusher berry big push this was a fantastic contest between two guys who are heels in the company but they really went to town they worked on each other's limbs uh jay lethal worked on the the arm of swerve swerve mm-hmm. worked on his on jay lethal's leg and it was just really well done with swerve getting the victory with the swerve stomp and getting his first three points of the turn of the round robin tournament well done by both of these men okay Heel versus heel goodness here to open up the Continental Classic. This was a match that Strickland definitely shined and Lethal worked great with him. This was a solid way to open up this round robin tournament easily enough. Big push bordering on Mega Push. Then we get to Christian Cage's segment. Champ, push a very. Oh, man. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. This gets a push. This gets a push because as you know, Christian Cage is so good at being an at being such an asshole. It's just crazy to me. But then uh forced Luchasaurus to get on his knees and then call him kill switch and then call Nick Wayne the prodigy. And then the mom comes out, and then the mom he just decides to just push like Luchasaurus, and then the mom gets knocked out. It was just this this second was all over the fucking place, but it was still good because of Christian Cage. So it gets that's why it gets a push. Look, wasn't Nick Wayne already dubbed 
a prodigy already. Kill Switch, that is fucking hysterical. As you can tell that Luchasaurus or Kill Switch, he's getting sick of Christian Cage's bullshit. Telling Shauna, she, this is what gives it a grade for me. Telling Shana Wayne to leave the ring and go punch your car because her shit goes about to begin in ditties. God damn. I was dancing. <laughs> Christian Cage is such a dick. He's still He's a, a dick. He is. Look, I was crying from laughing Wednesday night when I saw this. And I was doing my best not to message Champ and Donnie about this because I didn't know they were watching it live. But I was in tears from crying because I was laughing so hard. Big push bordering on mega push. Oh, my God. <laughs> then we had that was Rouge. Taking on Switchblade, Jay White, Champ, Pusher Berry. Uh, this gets a big push. This is another cl Continental Classic match in the Gold League, which was really, really mm -hmm. well done. Roosh was really giving it to Jay White, but Jay White can, can dish it out as well, mm -hmm. and they dish it out on each other, and this was really competitive. Uh, but, of course, Jay White getting the victory, doing a little bit of chicanery to get it, but got it anyway. But either way, I think this is this is a really good matchup between these two. Hmm. Excuse me. Look, a little bit of chicanery, yeah, but please remember, bullet click, bullet all outside interference is you know will get you a loss so yeah jay white's a dick yeah low blow no big deal but this is what jay white needed after the l taken to mj up at full gear and bruce was fully protected by the low blow strong match big push then i combined tony storm's segment as well as Scott, the triple threat match between Sky Blue, Ruby Soho, and Anna J. Champ. Push your berry. Sky Blue don't, didn't give a fuck about Thomas Tony Storm's award ceremony. She said, fuck that bullshit. I give this a big push only because of the, of the disrespect that Sky Blue showed Tony Storm. <laughs> okay, so first off, Tony Storm being in the audience and being announced as the winner of the championship she won back in, uh, on Saturday was absolutely fucking priceless. And then to come, <laughs> and then for Mariah May to bring the championship to her and her to celebrate, and then she almost got played out of the out of the arena by her, her music before she could even give her speech. Then she gives a speech, and Sky Blue comes out like, "Fuck your fucking celebration, bitch!" And then they, and then these three women went out and had a really good triple threat match. So I give this a big push. I even like the little storylines, love interesting of uh, Ruby Soho and fucking uh, what's his face, Matt uh, and fucking uh, uh, Parker. That shit's funny. All right. As much as I like timeless Tony Storm. A lot of the fans haven't seen All About Eve. And her speech went way over the heads of a lot of people in that fucking arena. That's why they hosed down that thing so quickly. I saw All About Eve when I was like 13. And I saw it again with Whitney, God rest her soul. We would get what's going here. The average person in the money demo? Probably not. The match was decent, but if this isn't a shit way to push Sky Blue with how the match went, nothing else says push. 
I'm pushing it, but be thankful it didn't get any lower. Tony Khan's overbooking's got to fucking stop. It, it really does. But then we get to our main event. We had Johnny Moxley and Mark Briscoe, champ, push a berry. Uh, this gets a push bordering on a big push. These two guys, this was just a violent strike fest between these two. Yeah. These guys just absolutely just beat the crap out of each other. Uh, but after, but Moxie ended up getting the victory, which was kind of predictable, but at the same time, still was a very entertaining matchup. So big put, uh, big push for me. Boards border on big push, I should say. And I give it a big push. It was a fun main event that was worth the overrun time, to say the least. The catch is that I wanted Briscoe to get the W, but when it was announced that he was getting Mox, I knew that was chalk for the most part. Like the sign of respect after the match, though. That was good shit. Give it a big push. Absolutely. All right. Graves for Dynamite this week, courtesy of Bleacher Report and Eric Beeston of Bleacher Report. Hello, yeah. Eric. So we begin with... The call the Continental Classic Gold League match between Swerve and Jay Lethal that got a B plus. I give it an A minus. All right. Next, MJF and Adam Cole's promo, which featured Samoa Joe. That got a B plus. B plus sounds about right. I still I find it funny that when he answered Joe's challenge, he's answered Joe's challenge by telling him to blow him. Yeah. That was funny. That, that was hilarious. And then and then MJF, I love this line from MJF. You wouldn't be the first Ring of Honor legend I beat here in Chicago twice. <laughs> <laughs> that was get shit on cold blooded. Get shit on Sith. Man, get shit on CM Punk, Jesus! And then we had our trio. We had a trios match: Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Katsuyori Shibata, all champions, taking on Daddy Magic, Cool Hand Ange, and Jake Hager. That match got a C plus. It also marked the return of the very nice, very evil Danhausen. But it got a C plus. C plus mainly because my boy Danhausen's back. Very nice, very evil. He brought That's back the hat and put. He brought back the hat, the purple, the purple hat, and put a curse on Jake Hager. It was great. Yes. <laughs> Christian Cage rechristens Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus. That, that segment got a C. A minus. That was so bad. It's good. Hey, Eric, your ship's about to begin at Denny's, pal. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Continental Classic Gold League matchup: Roosh versus Switchblade. Jay White got a B plus. I agree, B plus. And then Sky Blue versus Ruby Soho versus Anna J got a C. C plus. It was a little bit better than that. And then our main event, Continental Classic Gold Gold League Tournament match: John Moxley versus Jay Briscoe, well Mark Briscoe, and that got a B. Reach for the sky. Plus, and then his overall grade quote the biggest draw of Wednesday's broadcast was the Continental Classic, yet it felt like those matches were shorter in time, especially the two that came after the opener, due to the need to get two long winded promo segments on the show. 
This show was interrupted by angle-heavy segments that could have taken up a lot less time than they did. What went down between the ropes was very good, but it could have been even more so had AEW not had the to make time for other segments elsewhere. The show gets an above-average score because of its in-ring quality, with the final end quote with the final grade being a B. Really good fallout show here, but Houston, we have a problem, and it's the languishing women's division. Bands aren't liking or understanding the new Tony Storm gimmick and the way they had Sky Blue featured in the match where there were two overlapping stories. I have to wonder, are they going to discard Sky Blue after a match or two with timeless Tony Storm? Regardless, really good in-ring for the most part. You know, show, you know, women's triple threat aside, Dynamite gets a B. Now to close out, we're going to Friday Night Smackdown, where we had an opening segment with the women being involved with War Games tonight, which would lead to what would be the main event. Just the opening segment, champ. Push your berry. Uh, I'll give this a push. I mean, it really accentuated the tensions that are are there between Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Uh, I think that it's going to be a very interesting, it was a very interesting way to start and really set everything up. So I give it a push. I give it a, a nice push as well. Look, this was a good way to lead into the main event and also start up the can they coexist deal, which I will set aside for war games because that's a part of the intrigue. You know, the tension between Becky and Charlotte, you could cut it with a knife. You could tell that Bailey's still possibly on the out, outs with the stable that she found the damage control. Give it a nice push. Then in tag team action, Street Profits, Finn Balor, uh, the Street Profits took on Finn Balor and Damien Priest of the Judgment Day. Champ, push your berry. Uh, I'm going to give this a push, bordering on a big push. Montez Ford was home in Chicago, uh, but they couldn't get it done and win the championships when they uh, when they had the chance. Uh, they were actually the de facto babyfaces in this match against Judgment Day, but the Judgment Day were able to get it done and retain the championship. So now you got to wonder where, they, where they go from here. Uh, okay, this was heel, which is heel, and you had to figure by default the profits were going to be lean more babyface here. I think that even though the title change didn't happen here, you still have tensions within the judgment day that were at a peak. Given this match a push bordering on a big push, that could have gone to a big push if the outcome wasn't so apparent going into a pay-per-view. Then we had the Grayson Waller effect, and then after that, we had KO and LA Knight. Yeah, taking on Austin Theory and Grayson Waller champ. Push your berry. This gets a big push. They were going to take the piss out of KO by having Austin Theory be KO, not realizing that KO was actually there. The suspension was up, was done already. And then you had LA Knight come out talking trash. Led to a really good tag match with uh, LA Knight getting the victory with the BFT. And there you go. Happy days. Big push. Uh, give it a big push as well. Look. The Grayson Waller effect is a delight to watch as Grayson Waller comes out as a complete dick, as does Austin Theory alongside with him. The match was fun as well, to say the least, and I like the, the pairing of Kevin Owens and L.A. Knight as a tag team. Give it a big push. Then we had a Carlito Santos Escobar segment, including backstage, which led to what will be the lone title match going into tonight, Champ. Push your berry. 
Big push bordering on mega push. Like uh, Escobar is in his element as a heel. Uh, yes. Carlito is in his element as well. Uh, I wish I could find a video to know what they were saying to each other. I did take Spanish for a lot, but I'm not fluent in it. So I don't know what they were saying to each other, but we've had to be very intense. But I give it a big push border on mega push. Wish we could have had Hector translate what was said, but he's probably at work right now. Look, all in favor of this heel turn so far with Santos Escobar, say aye. Aye. Yeah, aye. This was just wild as fuck. And for people wondering, can Santos go any lower than, it, than taking out Carlito? Just wait. There's more goodness down the road. Give this a big push. Almost mega push. Then we have the main event where we had Charlotte and Becky Lynch shaking on Bailey and Asuka. Champ. I got to give this one a a push boarding on a mega push. They played up the whole can they coexist with Becky and Charlotte. Uh, They actually had inadvertent contact with each other and it led to them losing the matchup. And so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be something that's going to be played up in during the war games match as well. So give it a push boarding on a on a big push. I give it a full big push. Look, it was a really good main event that finished up the belt with a women's war game match tonight. You got this intriguing situation, heat on both sides, and you have to wonder which team, if any, disintegrates tonight. I give it a big push. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about these grades here from Bleacher Report and Eric Beeson again. So back to back for Eric. All right, we started off with Becky Lynch and her team kicking off SmackDown. The opening segment got a C plus. B minus. Next, our undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match, Judgment Day, defending against the Street Profits, got a B. I agree, B. Next, the Grayson Waller effect with Kevin Owens devolves into tag team action. That got a B. Plus Santos Escobar attacked Carlito. That gets our first A of the week. A minus, but damn near close to A. Brawling Bruce versus Pretty Deadly, which saw Butch be like basically fight on his own. That gotta be. Yes, boys. B. And then our main event, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair versus Bailey and Oscar got a B. B. B plus. I give it a big push. B plus. And then the overall. The, there you go. All right. The overall episode, quote, the this episode of SmackDown blew by. Uh, a good sign for WWE as it sought to put the final touches on building Survivor Series. I'll get to the rest in a bit, but it got to be plus. So go ahead and speak on that, say, uh, Seth. Yeah. Uh, WWE did a great job last night in finishing the build towards Survivor Series War Games. I like the idea of replacing... Carlito with Dragon Lee. I also like how the women were shown for both teams to be a case of can they coexist for about an hour or so. Overall, you've got a SmackDown that really came out and showed that WWE is ready for tonight. Hopefully, God willing, the Punk Champs chance those go away after this weekend. SmackDown this week gets a B 
plus on my end. When Champ gets back, we'll find out what BR Live had to say. And he's back. Sorry, I had a phone call. All right, so cool. basically the final word from um, Eric was the, about this episode of SmackDown going blow, blew by a good sign for WWE as it sought to put the final touches on the Built of Survivor Series. The Judgment Day looks strong. They're continued... To be sub- they, they, they continue to be substantial attention paid to the women's division and the storyline involving Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And we got a hot angle out of Carlito and Santos Escobar. Throw in a fun ca- Owens versus Knight, Owens and Knight versus Theory and Waller match, and you have a show that was easy to watch and undoubtedly drummed up an interest for one of the biggest shows of the year, end quote. The final grade was a B plus. Cool. Yep. So there you go. That was that was SmackDown, and that was your weekend review, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for that that one. And now it is time for our favorite segment, which is final thoughts. Uh, this uh, part of this podcast where we give our thoughts on things wrestling related or non wrestling related, and plug whatever po- our, our, our respective podcast that we have outside of this one. So of course we will begin as always with the Dark Sith Lord Sith. The floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Okay, so all of you noted earlier this afternoon, I gave AEW full gear a B minus, and I said that Tony Khan overbooked the show with way too much craziness and it's starting to affect things when it comes to pay-per-view. I'll take it a step further, though. It's getting that way with Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, and ROH as well to that coin. Look, there's a lot that AEW gets right, and when they get things right, we do give them credit where it's due, but where they get things wrong, we have to call them out on it too. When AEW came onto the scene, we were given an alternative to WWE at the time five years ago, and I will still say, AEW and NXT five years ago beat the crap that was coming out of the WWE main roster at that point in time. However, in the last six months to a year, AEW has started to slip outside the pro wrestling realm and they brought to the scene and they've started to lean more into sports entertainment. And then as me saying at times, you're doing too much guys and you're alienating the fans that you had to begin with that were casual wrestling fans that were like, ah, cool, an alternative. That Saturday night was overbooked, starting with the zero hour kickoff with Reaper Connection's constant interference and the MJF injury angle on the main card. A lot of the matches suffered from Tony Khan leaning more into trying to be an upgrade of the Attitude Era as he's trying to separate himself from the PG product in WWE. The women's division really needs a lot of work, but Tony flat out refuses to get the work in to that at all as he has more toys on the main roster to play with than worried about his woes in the women's division. The refs, per the usual, are made to look like complete fucking idiots when it comes to interference, or in the case of Tony Storm, having a pan in her ass to get the W via a foreign object. The Texas death match was insane, and at times, stomach-churning on the rewatch, and got a strong fucking stomach. I called out WWE and Impact on their bullshit here and will continue to do so at the end of the day. However, AEW needs to get back to basics and get back to more pro wrestling and stop relying on tropes from the Attitude Era. Timeless Tony Storm's All About Eve. Unless you saw the early form of Gold Dust or the 1950s film All About Eve, you're totally lost on this gimmick. 
The death match was an homage to the hardcore matches, but those and those look timid compared to Swerve Hangman too. Having Stokely Hathaway as being a corrupted GM for Ring of Honor only will go as far as when people go back into WWE and remember that Mr. McMahon, Eric Bischoff, Stephanie McMahon, the corporation, etc. Just complete insanity and things need to get back to, to ahead here. Bottom line, I enjoyed Full Gear and I still like AEW a lot, but they've got to get back to stop worrying about the past and present over WWE. Shit, does anyone in the crowd care about Buddy Matthews? Nope. They're chanting, we want money instead, for fuck's sake, which is very telling, sadly enough. If you keep trying to outdo what your competition did in the past and somewhat in the present, you're only going to keep about 800,000 viewers live for Dynamite Tops. And when college football is done, you won't get the numbers you want for collision either. Oh, and one last thing. If you're going to have Saturday pay-per-views, don't run collision against SmackDown again. That number last Friday was fucking dreadful. AEW really needs to straighten up or else they won't get the casual fans back. And that, my friends, is my final thought. Tomorrow on Spotify, 38 Stephen King films, adaptations, worst to first, and so much more. That's it, Spaceman. Tomorrow on Spotify, that's it, champ. I yield the floor. Finally, after several months, the SAG after strikes have ended and they couldn't have ended at a better time because one of my favorite shows is returning, but it's returning for its final season. That show I'm talking about is the police procedural drama known as Blue Bloods, the show that follows the Reagan family who are steeped in law enforcement and the law and law practices in the city of New York. Starring Frank, starring uh, Tom Selleck as the patriarch Frank Reagan, and it's one of the shows that I used to watch a lot back in the day on CBS. I lost track of it after a while, but thanks to Peacock, uh, not thanks to uh, Paramount Plus, I was able to watch all thirteen seasons of Blue Bloods twice, uh, and I really enjoyed them watching them. Well, Blue Bloods is returning for its fourteenth season. But unfortunately, it will be the final season of the show as it was announced by uh, CBS Studios. The 14th season will be the end of the line for Blue Bloods, and it will be a two. It will be split into two parts. The first couple of ep- the first few episodes will be were premiere starting in February, with the final eight episodes premiering in late fall. So I am very interested to see how they end off this show. Will they end it off with Jamie and Eddie possibly becoming pregnant? Uh, what will Daddy finally meet a new a new person to replace Linda? What will happen? What? How is the progression of Jack and Sean and 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 Nikki, who are now most likely adults at this point? You know, will Frank Reagan finally step down as police commissioner? What will happen to end this show? All I know is that I am so excited. To see how this 14th season plays out, my DVR is going to be right ready and raring to record every episode of the show of the series, and be able to watch it uh, on Saturday mornings after I watch SmackDown and Rampage, and just really enjoy what how this show can wrap up after 14 seasons. So, gotta say thank you to 
CBS Studios and every and the people who created this show for giving us such a great, uh, great series and giving us thirteen year thirteen seasons of awesome, awesome stuff. And hopefully, this fourteenth season is a really, really awesome, awesome, awesome ending. And that, my friends, is my final thought. Coming up this Monday, I am back on Sports on the Hill podcast, but not to, we're not going to have much good to talk about. Uh, the commanders got molly whopped on Thanksgiving night, which caught, led to the firing of Jack Del Rio and the DBs coach. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk about the Wizards who continue to have who are continuing to struggle. They have only won two games so far, and they played I think fourteen games so far this season, and they've only won two. They lost again this week. Uh, twice and they got one more game to go uh, Saturday night and then again on Monday so hopefully we'll be talking about a 2-2 two and two week and not an 0-4 week but it could be possible we'll talk about all that plus the Capitals uh, have been on a roll though that roll ended back uh, on Friday night after a 5-2 loss to the Edmonton Oilers but we'll talk about all of that and more this coming Monday on the Sports on the Hill podcast streaming on twitch.tv slash RobbieG underscore sports OTHP beginning at around 9 p.m. Monday. So make sure you join us for that. And with that, that is the end of the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast after we were off for a couple weeks. Uh, if you did enjoy it, make sure you check us out on social media, facebook.com slash no spots pod, twitter.com slash true no spots pod, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod, and tiktok.com slash at true no spots pod. Make sure you check out Sith on social media, true Sith dance 74 on both Twitter and TikTok. And we hope that you will join us on Saturday night for live reactions to WWE Survivor Series. We will be back at our regular day and time of Sunday at 7 p.m. for a recap of Survivor Series, a quick recap of World Tag League. And make sure you check out the full recap of World Tag League streaming live on Thursday, this coming Thursday on Twitch as well. But for that, for our audio listeners, we thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed, whether you're listening on Spotify or on Amazon Music. And make sure that you come back and see us again next week. Take it easy. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Hey, guys. It's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at truenospotspod. We will catch you on the next episode. Myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.